environment in this country is broken. We work ourselves to death and miss out on so many of life's experiences along the way. There's got to be a better way. David Adams is a certified financial planner and CPA and founder of David Adams Wealth Group, an independent firm that offers securities through Raymond James Financial Services and is here to help you learn how to retire while you work and develop a different way of thinking when it comes to managing your money. Hello, welcome. I'm your host, David Adams, and this is Retire While You Work. And you can hear us every Sunday from 5 to 6 p.m. on WLAC 1510. Thanks for tuning in. I'm here in studio today with one of our team members, Siobhan Farler. Hello, Siobhan. Hey, David. It's great to be back this week. Great to see you. Um, she's going to be answering some of or reading some of your questions throughout the week. So we're excited about that segment. And also we have a special guest today, Tatum Alsep, who is the found, founder and executive director of Music Healthcare Alliance. And that is a, a nonprofit organization that provides the music industry with healthcare advocacy by offering healthcare resources, health insurance, and confidential guidance. And she's going to talk with us later after the break about healthcare for those in the music industry, which is a very important niche in our business. Very excited to hear about this. So if you hear any other voices, I am not talking to myself. Welcome, Tatum. Yay, thanks. I'm super excited to be here. Great. We're glad to have you. Excited about your segment. All right, so let's jump uh, right into the show. Today I want to talk about really the passion behind the show and why, why it is I chose to do it. I'll tell you, after serving as a financial advisor for 15 years, I've really had this epiphany that the system and the industry is broken. And what I mean by that is there are too many people that work till they're 65, they save, 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 and then what? And they're bored, they don't have a clear purpose, and maybe not even close to their families. And it's sad and it needs to change, and I've witnessed it too much you know, what if we could live with this retired mind, retirement mindset every day? And what if we could find a way to feel responsible and confident at the same time when it came to our finances? So the goal of this show is really to help you reconsider how you view retirement. In fact, to totally rethink it. I would love to be a part and actually to help start a movement in this country, because I think it's important, that focuses really on being good stewards of our resources and enjoying them and not consumed by them, that often happens here in America. We've got to find fulfillment along this journey of life and stop thinking of money and retirement as some destination. So I truly hope this show becomes a resource to you and to others where they can get answers to their questions about money and finances, but also I hope that we can achieve the objective of answering those questions with a different lens, holistically, not just the typical textbook answer. Now, I'd like to share a story, a personal story with you, that impacted me greatly and really motivated me to do this show. And this all really hit me in the face here a few years ago when I almost lost my father. He worked 40 years in retail, working himself to death, and he was one of the hardest and the most loyal workers and actually a great father at that. He's my hero, and it was a hard time. I almost lost him to a stroke, and I remember saying right after that moment, Dad, I am not losing you to retail. There's no way I'm losing my father to working 60 hours a week in retail. And we had very tough talks, as you can imagine, and he ended up retiring. And now he's unwinding. It took him about a year, but I'm so proud of my dad. I really am. And, and also for my mom for supporting him and really being his best friend through such a big transition in his life, because that was my dad's identity. He was amazing at his job, and this was a big change. And you know now he's connecting with my mom, and they're taking walks, and it's just been really special to watch. But it really... 
lit a fire under me to to look at the industry as a whole and how, as advisors, we coach our clients about retirement. Life is short. I don't think that's any surprise. And I know something that really stuck out to me was I read something that said, if you think about the next 30 years of your life, and I think if everybody thinks, looks out 30 years, you would say, you know, that's a, that's a big portion. That's a big, you know, that's, that's the meat of our life. Whether you're 30, if you're 60, it, it represents a big portion. And then I just did some quick math in my head. I said, you know what, that's 10,000 days. And that just struck me as that, that didn't seem like a lot of days. I mean, that really, it's like, wow, if, if 10,000 days represents 30 years, what are we doing with each and every day? And after this happened with my dad, it's like I became overly aware and hypersensitive to listening to clients that seem to be stuck in their own heads. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Retire While You Work on News Radio 1510 WLAC. And I'm talking about my father's story and the passion behind the radio show and why we decided to do it. So I'll tell you, jumping, kind of piggybacking off those comments about my dad and his story, I had a client ask me just a few weeks ago, about going to Disney World. She walked in the office and uh, five grandkids. And she said, you know, David and Siobhan. Siobhan, do you remember this one? Absolutely. It was such a great story watching her come in and, and about what she was wanting to do with her grandkids and her family. Going on a big yeah. family vacation to Disney. It's what we all dream about. Yeah, and she was worried. She said, you know, it's going to cost $20,000. And I know what you guys are going to say. I said, well, we'll just call her um, Susie. Susie, what are we going to say? Well, I can't afford it. There's no way I can take $20,000 and make, you know, the market's down or, you know, the election and yada, she yada. She was so nervous to ask. So nervous. And I said, you know, Susie, go. Just go. Life's short. You need to go. And she cried and she couldn't believe it. You know, and we could, it was just such a, it was such a freeing moment to watch her feel, you know, liberated that she could take her grandkids and go on this trip. And, you know, we could always have more money, but what about the experiences? We can't take the money with us. But the experiences leave a legacy of memories that are beautiful. And what a great legacy and great experiences for those grandkids to get to go with their grandmother to Disney World Absolutely. All, all together. How hard is it to get the family together? You know, Siobhan. Yes. So. It was a great – watching her leave the office with such relief of being able to go on this vacation. It, it's what keeps us coming to the office each day. You know, it could have easily been from a financial textbook. We could have said, well, you're right. You really need to have another $100,000 and this is going to be a hit to your – but at the end of the day, the market can move $20,000 in a portfolio without our control anyway. Right. So go to Disney World. And look, there are a thousand different radio shows you can listen to, and you chose to list, listen to this one. So we appreciate it. Or maybe it was just on. Either way, we appreciate it. And we want you to enjoy your life right now, not at 65, but today. Now, does that mean does that mean that you necessarily go out and buy a Lamborghini? Maybe not. But also, you don't need to just save, save, save every penny for tomorrow. You need to find some balance to save and to live well at the same time. And I'm dedicated to helping you, the listener, do that and to all of our clients and our families. This is the passion behind the show. And heck, I want to do that myself. It's a constant process. You know, doctor's kids are the sickest, and I'm still learning along this journey as well. But it's about time for a break. So thank you for listening. When we come back from break... We're going to finish this topic, and then we're going to take some of your questions that we received throughout the week and then have our special guests in a following segment. You're listening to Retire While You Work. I'm David Adams, and this is News Radio 1510 WLAC. Back in a few.
Hello and welcome back to Retire While You Work. I'm your host, David Adams, News Radio 1510 WLAC. And just before the break, we were talking about the reason why we come here each week and do the show and the passion and the story behind Retire While You Work. And it started with my father's story and how that impacted me. And it's led to several uh, client stories and journeys we've taken along with them over the past year. And I want to talk about this industry again. So before the break, I was talking about how you know, I joined this industry almost 15 years ago. And the industry teaches us that you have to tell clients to save every penny, you know, or maybe we're going to ruin our future or our kid's future. And there's so much fear behind it. And if we have that $5 latte every day, our retirement accounts may never add up. You know, and by the way, what's the magic number? Who really knows? So if you want to buy that $300 dress and you have an emergency fund and you, you've saved up money and this wedding's coming up for a friend or a family member and it makes you feel beautiful, by all means, go and buy it. If you're going to enjoy it, if you find joy in it, buy it. Now, I know it's often hard to give yourself permission to do these things sometimes. And then for others, they give themselves certainly too much permission. It's, it's about moderation, everything in moderation, just like eating well. We had a professional blogger. Um, who was part of the documentary, I think it was Fat, Sick, and Nearly Dead. Yes. A great guest. And we talked about moderation and eating well, and it's the 80-20 rule, almost, really on almost everything. So, you know, have a couple glasses of wine, but don't drink the whole bottle. Have a burger from Sonic, but maybe not every day if you don't want to have a heart attack. You know, treat yourself. Take the kids to McDonald's. I don't know. I probably shouldn't promote that. But, <laughs> but balance, right? Everything in life is about trade-offs. Drink the $5 Starbucks every morning even if you can make coffee at home, but if and only if you love the experience. If you have friends there, I have a client that goes to one down in Franklin, Tennessee every morning, and he knows all the baristas there, and he has good friends there, and he enjoys the company. It's his morning ritual, and if you find experience in it, that's what life's about. Do it. But maybe you find something else that you don't value as much, and you can save a little there, right? So I really believe what's developing in this country, and I'm excited to be a part of, is a new way of retirement. We're living longer and we cannot afford to wear ourselves down physically and mentally at the young age of 60. And I'm seeing clients start asking around 50 what the next chapter could look like. And in their 50s, maybe they open up that juice bar. They do three days of consulting a week and slow down a little bit. And we had a client, uh, for example, we'll call him John, at 59, he had this feeling that he was losing his health and that, you know, taking a job, making half of his income, you know, was very scary. And he said, what if, you know, what if I live and you know, what if, or what if I can live and not be in the daily grind? And what if I have a chance of being happy right now as I age and not just keep putting off into the future? So he really desired to have that balance now, but was nervous about his income being cut in half. And I said, you know, life is short for that level of stress. You deserve to take care of you. You've been responsible saving for all these years. Yes, you could always have more, but there is no magic number. So he was excited and we hugged, and I remember saying, good for you. I'm proud of you. And really, I, I really commended him for listening to his body and gut. It was such a blessing. Many people, their gut will tell them it's time, but fear takes over. So this movement's happening, and I love it. Why in the world doesn't corporate America get this? But I hope that every time they're going to. And why do they let their 40-year tenured employees go and let them go to hire 23-year-olds for half the money? I mean, I get it, but why not think outside the box? Why not hire my dad, whose body was worn down at 63, but his mind was still sharp and still is sharp, and he had 40 years' experience? Why not pay him half, half of his salary, and let him work half as much, but train those 23-year-olds and to be a resource? Come on, corporate America, think outside the box. Amen. All right. 
I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm tired. I need a break. I'm going to drop the mic on that one. <laughs> Just kidding. Let's go to uh, Siobhan. Do we have any questions from our listeners? And by the way, we'd love to hear your questions. You can go to retirewhileyouwork.com and click contact us and submit your question throughout the week. And we'll do our best to answer it here on the show. So this has been a great week for some questions coming in from some clients, and they actually correlate with what you were just talking about briefly in regards to the magic number. So this particular client asked, well, people keep talking about this magic number. I keep seeing these commercials on TV with Fidelity and the Green Path and every, and all the commercials oh, yeah. talking about the magic number. So how do we figure out what this is, and how do I know when I've reached it? That's a great question. We get that all the time. The magic number, you're right, is just Well, we hear that at least once a week. Absolutely. What's the magic number? Well, it sounds crazy, but let me say this. There is no magic number. Yep, I said it. No magic number. I've literally seen a client with $200,000, happy as a clam. Because they went on that Disney vacation. Went on that Disney vacation, and they had Social Security. They needed a a little bit of money from their retirement accounts, and they lived great. They lived beneath their means. And we've had someone before in our office with $30 million who thought, you know, if I just had $40 million, then I can be happy. So it is all relative. And it really just depends. Now, that being said, I mean, I'm not saying you just put your finger in the wind. There are, of course, planning tools and methods that we can use to get a ballpark. And we have great software for all that. But start with the budget. How much do you even need? A lot of people don't even know this. And how much do you want? So your needs would be, you know, keeping the utilities paid and the mortgage if you still have one and gas and food, but how much do you want? This would be travel and lifestyle. Are you going to join a country club? Are you going what do you to, want your life to look like? The fun stuff. So right. the needs would be, I have to have this, and then what are the, the wants? And so we always go through that needs and wants analysis. Siobhan was right on. And we come up with that number. And that's, that's very eye-opening because a lot of people will say, you know, I only need $2,000 a month. And the reality is they forget about health care. They forget about a roof on the house. Or a new car. Or- yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's always those things that are forgotten. And healthcare, I mean, like I mentioned that, that's our last uh, segment, so I'm going to save that. But that's these are big variables in retirement. So let's say, for example, you need $50,000 to pay the bills, and you want maybe another $30,000 for fun stuff, for travel and golf or what, what have you. And then I'd venture to say, let's add another $20,000. Siobhan and I always do this in meetings for things you didn't think about, like like the car every five to seven years or a roof on the house every 10 years. And healthcare, which is changing. So now you're at $100,000. And let's say you and your spouse get Social Security, and that's around, I don't know, $40,000. And maybe you have a small pension, one of those old dinosaurs that <laughs> are going away slowly. So you have $50,000 um, coming in from those sources, and you have a deficit of 50000 that you need from your investments. There's this rule, this 4% rule. I won't bore you with that here on the radio today. We could do a whole segment on that. But basically, if you had $1.2 million, in theory, you could pull out the other $50,000 a year, and there is your magic number. So there is a way to back into that magic number, but there are a lot of other variables. And if you didn't have $1.2 million in that example, and this client you know, had $800,000, we just figure out, okay, where can you cut back? Do you need a hundred? Could you live on 80000 Now, if you need $400,000 to live on, then maybe you do need $10 million and on and on. But don't just save without knowing why and where you are headed. Have a plan. Otherwise, back to the point of this show, you may be missing out on life during your important working years and saving more than you really need. I mean, I'm not saying I tell clients you don't necessarily want to die bouncing your last check, but do you really want to live on rice and beans and pass away with $5 million for the kiddos? 
Right. Well, you don't want to just save and then let life pass you by. Right. And it happens all the time. And mm-hmm. people live in fear. And it, there is there ever really enough? Somebody's always chasing another carrot. So mm-hmm. that's a great question, Siobhan. Thank you. And if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Retire While You Work on News Radio 1510. WLAC, and we're taking your questions throughout the week. You can call us anytime at 615-435-3644 or go to the website at retirewhileyouwork.com and click the Contact Us button and submit your question, and we'll answer it in our next show. So, Siobhan, do we have another question this week? Yeah, this one is so sad. It's about um, scamming, and it just makes my heart break. Um, This client called in and said that her mother had gotten some calls from the IRS. And we've talked about this before. And this phone call from the IRS was telling her that she owed back taxes and had to settle them with them on the phone or she was going to go to jail. Oh, gosh, yes. The client told her mother that it was definitely a scam. But now the the client is wondering what can she do to prevent this type of fraud and scamming for her aging mother? <laughs> That's a great question. Yeah, we get uh... – let me just answer it this way. Here's a simple answer. The IRS never calls or emails. They only write letters. So if you get a call from the IRS or an email, it is a scam. In fact, I actually got a letter one time saying I owed two cents. Ooh. That's your government at work sending a, a like 50 cent stamp <laughs> yeah, for two cents. But it's sad how many client scams are out there, but this is a big one. Tell her that the IRS never calls. They only write a letter and it should be um, in the mail and then you know it's legit and then you can um, – you know, move forward. And we had actually had the FBI on here recently talking about these scams. Great question. When we come back, we'll answer some more of your questions. You're listening to Retire Where You Work on News Radio 1510 WLAC. Back in a few minutes. Hello and welcome back to Retire While You Work. I'm your host, David Adams, and this is News Radio 1510 WLAC. And right before the break, we were answering some of your questions throughout the week, our listeners' questions, and also some clients that or some questions that came up from our clients throughout the week from real client meetings. Siobhan, would you mind reading the next question? I assume we have another one. We do have another one, and it actually correlates with our next segment as well with Tatum, but it also correlates with the magic number question we were answering in the last segment. So this one is about health care. And this particular client asked how much should they be putting aside to cover health care costs in retirement? With all the different changes, how much should they be saving? It's not confusing, is it? No, not at all. Everyone no. understands the Affordable <laughs> just, Care Act. Just Google healthcare and they can answer these. <laughs> no, that, that is a uh, – in fact, we are going to talk about it in our next segment. Um, we factor in we factor in about another ten dollars to $12,000. It's still really an unknown. Now, J.P. Morgan did this study where they calculated the average out-of-pocket expenses outside of Medicare, um, and this was just a ballpark. So if a client comes in and says, hey, I need 50000 a year to live on – and they haven't thought about social or haven't thought about healthcare. We'll tack on that kind of what if there's you know some out of pocket expenses. But and we did a, that in all of our projections as right, well, just to be safe. And you know it may and looks like it's going to change some under Trump, um, as we know. But how much? And it's really the biggest cost in retirement, and it's the hardest to figure out in retirement. And as a planner, not only is it, is it confusing, it drives us crazy. Heck, we were looking at healthcare plans for our own office. We had three financial planners in a room. and we Going were, through all the sheets and all the spreadsheets, yeah. and we still couldn't figure it out. Big issue. And, um, you know, and I'll tell you, I, I'm not scared to admit this. As an advisor, I felt so stupid. When mine got canceled last year, I was skiing and hurt my hand. I remember that. I had Blue Cross Blue Shield, but they had sent a letter saying 
that, you know, this policy is not compliant with the Affordable Care and you needed to call in, but I'd still been paying my premiums. Little did I know I'd messed up and part of a bill wasn't even covered. So, and I tend to be on top of those things. And I said, you know, here's an example of this is a mess. So, um, I, that's that's the best I can answer this right now, but I'll tell you, we'll be talking about this and getting questions every single week on the show. And so I'm glad we have Tatum on in the next segment. Yes, I can't wait to hear what she has to share. And please, if you're listening, send us your question to retirewhileyouwork.com and click contact us and submit that question and we will answer it. Um, great, Siobhan. Next yeah. question. So the next question is um, one that came in from a prospect or uh, someone that had listened to the show and sent in their question saying that their 25-year-old daughter had run up $15,000 in credit card debt in college. And now her grandmother had passed away and she had received a small inheritance of roughly 30000 or so. So they, the email was asking, what should they do with the thirty thousand? Should they pay off the pay off the fifteen thousand dollars in credit card, or start an investment account for their daughter? Good question. That's well, a that's tough one. well, yeah, and I mean, and thirty thousand dollars, but you know, is is no small inheritance. I mean, it's all relative. That's that could really put a twenty five year old in a give some great provide some great options. So I'll say this: I'm always a fan of paying off debt, and there is absolutely no way. I'd want to see a 25-year-old strapped down with credit card debt, especially when we have the opportunity here to knock it out. Right. So my opinion with this money would be to pay off the credit card debt first. That's $15,000. Just knock that out. Why even Why even deal with that? And then take – I mean, sure, you could go and invest it, but not when there's credit card debt. Then I would take you know, maybe five to $10,000 of that money, and I would start just an emergency fund. This is what we call our bucket one. This is you know money that's sitting in the bank – Usually it's three to six months worth of expenses. What if I lost my job? Or what if the, the motor blows out of my car? Or there's something wrong with the house. Great time to get, you know, to get above uh, above par and have some money sitting in the bank. Cash is always king. And then maybe that leaves another 5000 or so that you could maybe uh, um, she could start a Roth IRA if she has earned income. And if not, just open up a regular investment account. So, you know, if an advisor says just invest that $30,000, i would run the other way. This is a great time to set up a basic financial plan, no debt, money in the bank as an emergency fund, and you know set up a tax-free Roth IRA and just get the automatic discipline going where now you're on the right foot and one of the hardest parts of this business and for people getting a financial plan is starting and having the discipline. So start early and this really can become a habit. I see so many people that spend 15 years trying to to get out of debt. They spend that entire 15 years just getting back to, to parity and maybe even another five years to get a healthy savings account. So what a blessing to be able to do this early. Yes. Her grandmother was very thoughtful in providing that money for Absolutely. her. Absolutely. So get with someone that can help you. And heck, you can give us a call anytime. We're happy to help. Again, if you are listening or just tuning in, this is Retire While You Work on News Radio 1510 WLAC. I'm David Adams, and we're answering your questions that we receive throughout the week. Please submit yours. We'd love to hear from you at retirewhileyouwork.com or give us a phone call at the office, 615-435-3644, and you can talk to me or one of my staff, and we will answer your question or do our best. Siobhan, do we still have any other questions? Yes, and this next question, you know, Nashville is such is full of entrepreneurs, and so this one's coming from a self-employed um, gentleman who has three children and a wife, and he's heard about something called a SEP. So he would like to figure out how to plan for retirement, but didn't know quite what a SEP was and if that even applied to him being self-employed. Great question. Okay, so referring to a SEP IRA, which is, I believe it stands, I should know this, a self-employed pension. 
Um, but it's basically – it's like a 401k for somebody who's self-employed. And you can do up to – I think the max is around $53,000 a year or 20 to 25 percent a year. So with him now. being self-employed, this is a perfect fit for him. It is. Now, you know, so if if, if he made $100,000, he could put 25000 in. And if he made, let's say, 500000 you can max it out. You get capped out at 53000 And it's great, again, for those who don't have access to the 401k. But – you mentioned, Siobhan, if, if this was a great option. You have to be careful if you have W-2 employees versus contractors or 1099. You have to put in the same percentage for each employee. So it can be very costly. So if you have an employee that makes 50000 a year and you decide to max yours out at 25%, you're also going to have to put 25% in for that employee or another 12500 Now, that would be a great benefit for that employee. And um, Can I go work for them? No, I'm teasing. <laughs> no, but I mean, it's, 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 it's a great thing to do. I mean, looking out for your staff's and your team's uh, retirement. But the SEP, a lot of times, people get blindsided and they, you know, they end up, it's another 100000 or let's say you had 50 employees. And they, didn't have, they didn't understand that now they're on the hook for all this money. So it's a great retention and a great, um, a great benefit for your team. So if they did have all these employees, what would be another option? Usually you'll look at um, a 401k or what's called a safe harbor 401k, which basically would allow the owner to still put in and max out their 401k. And then maybe they're going to have to put in uh, match their, you know, like a company 401k. You match ah. the employees' contributions, maybe 3 or 4%. Okay. So you're still helping your employees. Um, the downside, though, is as the owner, when you do a 401k, they can typically put a lot less money themselves, but they're having to match less. Oh. So basically, if you are self-employed and it's just you or just you and your spouse, a SEP is a wonderful strategy if you have or if you just have contractors in your small business, look at a SEP. Uh, but the main thing is to just do something, to do the 401k or the SEP. And if you don't have a plan uh, with your employer, talk to your employer. See if they can set up a 401k or get with your advisor or us. Come talk to us. Come talk to us. Shameless plug. <laughs> and we can help you set up a SEP IRA. But it's the best dollar-for-dollar dollar tax deduction you can get. Uh, Siobhan, I think we still have a few more minutes. Do we have another question? Let's try to get one more this week. Yeah, we'll try to squeeze this one in. So this one is about um, a young lady or a lady who is getting divorced from her husband for 20 years. So so sad that their marriage has fallen yeah. apart after 20 years. But she's going to be receiving alimony uh, as and she will be able to live in their already paid for home. Okay. So there's no mortgage or anything. But she's concerned as to whether the divorce would be considered something that's called a hardship withdrawal from a 401k. The husband had a 401k, and she's going to get okay. a portion of it. So is there going to be any negative consequences from the divorce and her getting those benefits? Okay. Well, yeah, this is a great question. It's a little complex. So there's several pieces to this, so let me try to simplify it. And yeah, first there's of lots all, of pieces. I agree with you, Siobhan. Sorry to hear that. I know it happens a lot in the country, and it's not easy emotionally. So having someone in your team to help with this stuff is critical. So. Um, basically, hopefully, it sounds like they've mediated and possibly settled the divorce. I think um, so. And so usually in the divorce, you get something called a quadro, which the court allows you to take money out of your 401k with no penalty or an IRS 10% penalty. But as far as a hardship goes, a hardship withdrawal is different. The IRS has special rules for that for certain medical expenses and tuition and other things. So you'd have it doesn't to get with qualify your, in this situation. Probably not. You'd have to get with your CPA on okay. that. But there's a difference between the quadro and the divorce settlement and a hardship withdrawal. Um, but th- that's one. Give us a call at the office um, and we'll, ha- we'll help you with that. 615-435-3644. You're listening to Retire While You Work. 
I'm your host, David Adams, and this is News Radio 1510 WLAC. Stick with us because when we come back from break, we have a special guest, Tatum Alsep, to talk about healthcare and the music industry. Very relevant here in Nashville. Welcome back to Retire While You Work on News Radio 1510 WLAC. I'm your host, David Adams. And before the break, we were answering your questions throughout the week. And be sure to submit those questions to retirewhileyouwork.com and we'll do our best to answer those. Now, every week in this last segment, we like to discuss something that we hope can maybe better help you get into that retire while you work mindset or take a little something off your plate, a little stress off your plate so you can enjoy life and make the most of your time. That's what it's all about after all. Now, today we're going to talk about healthcare for those in the music industry. Now, we in our practice, we work with a lot of musicians. That's a good uh, niche in our practice. And so it comes up all the time. And I'm here today with Tatum Alsep, who is founder and executive director of Music Healthcare Alliance, to chat about this. Tatum, welcome. Hi, thanks. It's really good to be here. We're so glad to have you here. My goodness, healthcare is an important but also very controversial topic, and it's frustrating and it's scary, or it's scary for so many, at least in our office. It's confusing. And as I mentioned in the question before the break, it's one of the hardest things for us planners. So as I said, we work with a lot of musicians. This comes up all the time as they're usually self-employed. So I have a couple questions for you. If that's yeah, okay. go for it. First of all, can you tell us a little bit about what your organization, what do you all do? That's about it. a good question. So the music industry, as your listeners may or may not know, most of the music industry is self-employed or part of small businesses. Everybody's not part of a major record label or a big performance rights organization. Right. Seventy-six percent of the music industry, from sound engineers, songwriters, producers, um, down to riggers who are on the road with artists, they are 1099 contract employees. And, not, co- and not covered by... A, a, no access a, to group benefits wow. or small businesses. So okay. um, when it comes to HR and access to health insurance, it's just non-existent. So kind of like farmers, um, you really don't know what you're going to make next year and you really oh, yeah. don't know what to expect. And we're more about, in the history of the music industry, crisis management versus... Planning and prevention. So I love the whole theory of retire while you work because our industry as a whole, careers could be longer if we really thought that way. Sure. And, and you're dealing in that industry with a lot of creatives. And so a lot of times the financial end isn't, isn't on the radar. So they need people like you to really help kind of, you know, to bring clarity. And this is... Totally. And you know what? I realized I didn't even answer your question. (laughs) So Music Health Alliance is a nonprofit organization. All of our services are free and we do... The goal is to bring healthcare access to the whole music industry across the nation. For those 76%. For that 76%. And even those that are at labels that may be moving into retirement before they're 65 or they're moving into Medicare and it makes no sense or they've turned 65 and they're still in a group plan. All of those things. Right. So from the top of the totem pole to the bottom, we work with all of them. But we do three things. We protect, direct, and connect. So the protect is... Probably our greatest asset as a nonprofit is we understand the law of health care. So we know that in our country, to get access to care, you have to have health insurance. Right. But it's not one size fits all. And as the Affordable Care Act has shifted into our um, system and now it's sort of probably on its way out, what does that mean? How do we translate it? Like you said, yeah. I mean, it's kind of you need a Ph.D. Right. Well, we know the law. 
And we're all licensed agents, but not to sell anything. We're licensed to understand the law and act as your advocate. And then we direct with confidential guidance and help navigating the system that seemingly makes no sense. We want it to make sense to you. And then we connect. We connect with resources to help pay medical bills. We negotiate down medical bills. Everything in healthcare is negotiable. And that may be, you take anything away from what we're talking about right now. So y'all don't do health insurance, but you, I mean. We do, we do. Do y'all actually, y'all are licensed? We are licensed. But there's no commission revenue stream. That If there is a commission, like in group, health insurance. There is right. a commission. It goes into a fund called the jackpot, and then we write grants back to the industry to cover things that aren't covered. That is so cool that y'all are doing that. That is so but special. we wanted it to be completely objective because it's gotten so not objective when it comes to patient-centered right. care. Because when dealing with people's health, I mean, to be sold some product they don't need, I mean, it's such no. a sensitive and important, you know, mm-hmm. aspect to find. Well, that's that's great. Well, Thanks for sharing that. Well, I know t- I was looking at your bio. I know 10 years ago you were working at Vanderbilt University Medical Center as a liaison to the music industry. So what motivated you, motivated you from that point to start this organization? Well, we were in a meeting. Vanderbilt decided they wanted to raise the Magnolia Curtain in between the medical center and M- Music Row. They're a block apart, but okay. they speak completely different languages. So they wanted the music industry to start using the medical center and supporting the children's hospital. Right. And, um, the two don't speak the same language at all. And I had gone to Vanderbilt and I'm a huge believer and fan. Um, but I knew my whole career had been in the music industry. So anyway, long story short, we put together a team and Kix Brooks from Brooks and Dunn said, you know what? Y'all can figure out a way to bring health insurance to this business. You'll be in business. I like your accent there. I like. Your... <laughs> I'm a Kix Brooks is a brilliant man. He puts yeah. on this all shucks thing. But he's he's a businessman at yeah. heart. Um, so that that rang a bell with me because um, in 2002 I had twins that were born early, and I was an artist manager in the business, small business owner. I had health insurance, individual policy, and a maternity rider at the time. I still left the hospital with a half million dollar bill because I was in the hospital prior to the boys being born and they were in the hospital for nine weeks after. Everybody's fine now. I didn't know that was negotiable. I just thought you get a bill, you pay it. So I liquidated every asset I had. Uh, Oh, my goodness. Got a a loan that my grandfather um, co-signed with me and paid it off for 10 years. So when kicks... Mm created this charge, I ran with it. And that's when I really learned the law and really how dysfunctional our healthcare access system is <laughs> and how it can be so simple. There is a story behind it. That is, yeah, that's yeah. very, you gave me chills. Yeah, that's, she has such passion. That's yeah. amazing. Thank you for sharing your story. Yeah. And you will not agree with this, but I did liquidate my own 401k to start this nonprofit. <laughs> I, you know, so after, now i got to start hearing, over. <laughs> after hearing your, the passion behind it and what you're all about, I it goes actually to retire where you work. You followed oh, your good. journey. Right. I did. You can always, we can always start in <laughs> Yeah, we'll fine. need to talk after. Yeah. Hello, Ray. James. Yeah, can we go off the air? And have a- <laughs> yeah. uh, now, let me ask this. Another question. What challenges have you faced in running uh, Music Health Alliance? Interestingly enough, y'all brought up the IRS and when... Um, Sorry about that. I went, I know, right? I went to start Music Health Alliance. Um, we had to prove to the IRS that 
the music industry was a charitable class. And um, fame does not equal fortune in our business. And that's right. a big misnomer. So the whole idea of planning and what y'all are doing is so important because that's a challenge that we wrestle with a lot, especially with young artists. And they're just starting to save. And in, the income streams are so oh, yeah. sporadic. So um, that is always a challenge um, in our industry is to understand the income so we can help people gain access to care. Yeah, because if you know you've got these writers, you know, living on a publishing draw of you know fifteen hundred to a couple thousand dollars a month, and uh, they're ten ninety nine, and mm-hmm. you know a big part of that um, of that income needs to be healthcare, and a lot of times it, right. it's not on the radar, and so and and everybody's you know, very few people in this town get that number one cut, where they get that you know they get that big chunk of money and they get the royalties. So you really have to. You have to plan early for that. Oh, and there, uh, just a tip of if you're 1099, this is something that um, we see all the time. If you're 1099 and you go on healthcare.gov and they ask about your income, it is not your 1099 gross revenue. It is your adjusted gross income. Yeah. It's your after your all your expenses. Yeah, after your Modified, deductions. You're right. So, like, if they bring in, you know, forty thousand dollars and you want it, you can deduct um, touring cost and gas and you know. You had to pay the sound engineer, or whatever. You may get fifty thousand down to twenty thousand. Right, and that right. is so important because that can, with the way the healthcare law stands today, and it may change tomorrow, um, with the way it actually the way it stands for twenty seventeen, um, it is that that uh, MAGI, the modified yeah. adjusted yes. gross income number that right. counts, and that can significantly reduce your cost of healthcare from. Um, assistance paying for your monthly. Oh, you premiums. mean if somebody doesn't realize that and they put the bigger, yes, they, they pick a bigger the number and it doesn't give them as good of a. This is or, the one time in our industry where it is cool to, to be make, broke. Totally right. <laughs> well, I've had some uh, you know young um, up and coming artists and writers like look you know certain certain uh, apartments and stuff that are for musicians where you have to show your income is a certain level. Yeah, like one the guy was like, house, I don't yeah. know how I'm gonna you know you have to be at thirty thousand and I made forty. I'm like, but that's your. That's Gross. your top line. You can actually, oh, you know. Right. And then you're able to get that um, affordable housing. So, well, um, Tatum, can you share a story of someone in the music industry that was helped by your group and that really inspired you? Oh, gosh, it happens every day. Um, That's a blessing to be in a It is, isn't it? I mean, I, I know I can go home and look my kids in the eyes at night and say, okay, we made a difference today. Awesome. And that's really fun. Um, there about. was a young artist last year that she really touched me. She came in new to Nashville, had a lot of um, potential success. She had a publishing deal on the line and a, a agent um, really was ready to sign her. And she had some healthcare issues. Really, she was sent to us because somebody thought she might need access to counseling. Okay. And as mm. we just listened, and that's probably um, something that's not done enough in healthcare. We listened and she needed she hadn't seen a primary care doctor in years, so we helped figure out how to get a baseline. And we got her access. As it turns out, she had not seen a primary care doctor or had an OBGYN visit in 10 years, and she oh had gosh. cervical cancer. Oh, oh, wow. So her oh. hormones and the way she was feeling not right was the early stages. So they caught it early. She's been through treatment. Now mm. she has signed a record deal. She has a publishing deal. She is has this awesome agent, and they are teeing up her first EP release. And they've done it on her time. 
And it's just to see that start to finish, it's just really rewarding. It's not one of the big bedazzled celebrity stories, but it's one that really matters. And, and that's think, beyond inspiring. Yeah, you I just mean, made such a big difference in her right? life. Yeah, that's um, awesome. And we have thousands of stories like that. And it's just, it's meaningful. So I hope if you're in the music industry and you're listening, know that all our services are free. Everything's confidential. And we are here just to bring you access to the care we feel like it's a human right and i'm gonna i'm gonna let so many people that come in our office know about this this is i'm so glad you're on the show today and we got to (laughs) we got to meet you and we have a little bit more time um here another minute or so what are some long-term goals for the music health alliance for us the biggest long-term goal is to continue access things are changing so rapidly so i I brought in just reading while we waited the new um, patient protecting Protection Act. Yeah. So as long as we can stay current on the law and translate, I think that's how we'll help best. Right. And Tatum, how can uh, how can our musicians out here in Nashville, how can they reach you? Oh, call us, email us, info at musichealthalliance.com, www.musichealthalliance.com, or call us at 615-200-6896. Awesome. Hey, thank you so much for being on our show today. We're going to have to have you back and we could talk more about that. Um, you gave me chills twice. <laughs> awesome. Thank you for listening to today's show, Retire While You Work. I'm your host, David Adams, on News Radio 1510 WLAC. We'll catch you next week. And if you need to reach us during the week, call us at 615-435-3644 or visit retirewhileyouwork.com or come visit us in the historic 12 South neighborhood. We'd love to have you drop by. I'm David Adams. Remember, life is short and there are many more important things to worry about than money. And I sure hope this show helps. Thank you so much. 